Well, good morning, everyone. This is Jim Conley. I'm the Executive Marketing Manager for Anatomy and Physiology here at McGraw-Hill Higher Education. And I am so glad to be here with you guys today on this episode of Succeed in A&P. I am joined by the one and only Cindy Prentice-Craver <laughs> from the Northwest. How are you doing, Cindy? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. And Cindy, I was just thinking back, um, you and I have known each other for a long, long time. I believe you and I first met, it was around 15 years ago. I would think that that's, that's correct. Yep. Now, we were both two when we met. It was a kind of a phenomenon where <laughs> I was only two years old, and, you know, I got to meet you from here in Iowa. I think I was three. You, uh, you might have been three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, not to date ourselves here, Cindy, but uh, if you don't mind sharing with the audience, how long have you been teaching anatomy and physiology? I've been teaching anatomy and physiology um, over, over 20 years. Let's just say that. Awesome. And in general, like when you think about just teaching, it doesn't have to be anatomy and physiology related, but what excites you the most as it relates to teaching? I would say that the most exciting thing about teaching is that I get to also learn. Um, and this comes in many different facets, such as, uh, you know, giving, getting a deeper understanding of the content, um, seeing new findings of recent studies and sharing those with my students, um, using different instructional methods and seeing what works and maybe what doesn't work, um, reading content-related articles and books that are, um, kind of form a synergy of the teaching and the learning that occurs. And um, I'm also really passionate about the subject that I teach, anatomy oh, yeah. and physiology. So combined with this, is my passion for learning. So my best day, I would say, is when I see this passion sparked in one or more of my students. That is the most fun. And, you know, one thing that I don't know that you and I have talked about, you know, really at any length yet, but one thing that I get a chance to do with our sales teams and some of the folks that work in our extended organization is we'll do product training on brands like the one that you've been working on. Um, and one thing that's really interesting to me is just true to what you said, when you teach something, you really have to learn it to a greater degree because you're obviously going to get a lot of variable questions from your audience. So you got to be on your toes and prepared for that, right? Exactly. You got to keep up with the, the uh, up and coming and new findings and um, yeah, yeah. Well, one and thing to be I able to think, share that with the students. One thing I was thinking about: um, Do you have a personal teaching philosophy that you adhere to? Wow. Um, I would say that my teaching philosophy is to coach and facilitate students to think critical, critically. Um, I really want my students to have the confidence to recognize what they know and also recognize what they don't know and then to be able to seek accurate resources and also to appropriately interact with others um, with compassion, respect, and dignity. Um, I would say also to make connections rather than just memorizing to memorize. Oh yeah. I like to and challenge I like to yeah, I like to challenge my students to think, basically. <laughs> yeah, have you ever heard this in one of your classes? Boy, I'm glad I don't have to see that chemistry ever again. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> and what's usually and your retort what? to that? Guess, guess what? You're not gonna you're not gonna see it go away. <laughs> 
As a matter of fact, it's going to get more complex, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, the audience may not know this, so I'll introduce it to them for maybe the first time, but Cynthia, Cindy has been involved in writing recently, and she just got involved in the Martin Lab Manual series that's published by McGraw-Hill here, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have her on the podcast today. Um, so if you don't mind, Cindy, um, I know you've got the main version, you've got a fetal pig version, a cat version, so there's a lot going on with all of that. Tell us how you got involved in textbook writing. Wow. Um, I guess, uh, well, during my entire career in teaching, which actually expands almost 30 years, um, but remember, I started at a very young age, like at age <laughs> three, right? Yes, um, correct. <laughs> anyway, I, I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed developing curriculum. Um, I love making modifications to existing content and creating new ways to describe concepts and then continually finding ways to ignite interest and, and attention. Um, my focus is curriculum development. And, of course, with the passion of the human body, um, I, it was great to have the opportunity to audition for this lab manual series and then to pursue the authoring. Boy, that's great. I remember when you auditioned, um, you know, for the part, um, and it's kind of an interesting thing that I think a lot of folks may not um, know necessarily, but often, you know, when we're looking through that process, it's about fit. And um, to really fit with the project, it's not just the talent level to write, but you got to really kind of mesh with the overall philosophy. So if I were to ask you about the Martin series, how do you think it helps the average A&P student? Wow. So I was drawn to the Martin series because um, the way it is written, it, it explains concepts in a very concise manner. Um, and some of the attributes of the lab manual um, for the average student is that it provides pre-lab questions that encourage students to read over the lab content prior to the scheduled lab so that they have an idea of what to expect. And ideally, that might reduce some of their anxiety that they might be feeling. Um, there are procedures uh, throughout that help organize content within each of the lab exercises. There are many images and illustrations within the lab manuals to enhance the student learning. There are end of exercise assessments that reinforce student learning, and these correspond with the learning outcomes. And there's critical thinking questions that challenge students to think at a higher level than just basic knowledge and understanding. There's a digital component to the Martin series as well. The connect questions for the Martin series can be used in assignments, can be used in practice or quizzes to help students learn the required material. And the lab exercise are structured, exercises are structured in a way that instructors actually have the flexibility to combine different lab exercises. Um, for example, there are three lab exercises that cover blood. There's one on blood cells, one on blood testing, and one on blood typing. And an instructor may choose to use one or two or all three of these in one laboratory session. Boy, that's great. And I know with all of the recent um, procedures and regulations, those blood labs are really uh, critical, not only from a learning perspective, but you have so many considerations on the safety side as well. Exactly. And that's also provided within each of the lab exercises. It's great. So and I know also, 
Yeah, I read, I think, if I remember correctly, that you guys added an exercise on metabolism in the lab manual, too. So what was the yeah, rationale really for that? I'm excited about that. Um, well, the rationale is that there was not a lab on metabolism other than um, a stimulation. So we decided that that would be a good addition. So this is a hands-on activity that utilizes small rodents, such as rats, mice, or hamsters, um, to demonstrate the relationship between body size and metabolic rate. It, the, the really neat thing about this lab is it involves the scientific method. Students are required to form a hypothesis, so you have to collect data, make calculations, graph their data, analyze their data, and form conclusions. And I'm really excited about the addition of this lab exercise because it actively engages students as they are actually, they're having fun learning about metabolism. Oh yeah, and I know in the market, in you know my conversations with faculty across the country, this is a key lab that a lot of people, not only like you mentioned earlier, they'll use simulations, but to have something that they can physically do in the lab, I think is just really important. And I'm glad that you and Terry, uh, Terry Martin had added this into the lab manual. So good job on that. Thank you. I'm excited okay. about it. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, fun for us to go to market with that. Okay, so now we're going to go just a little bit of rapid fire. You don't have to limit your answers, but I'll pepper you with a bunch of questions just to give you a perspective. So what is your favorite feature in the new edition? If you had to pick one. <laughs> if I had to pick one, it would be the, the Metabolism Lab. Okay, great. The addition and of that you lab. Could, you could probably just say for all the reasons mentioned earlier, right? Yes. Now, if, All I, right. if I can give you if I can give you other favorite features, I will. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you can share one. If you want to, you can share one extra one outside of the metabolism lab. Oh, okay. Um, well, we added an innervation column to the charts of origin, insertion, action of skeletal muscles. Oh, nice. So, um, yeah. That will be. That's also going to be another good change for everyone. So I'm, I'm glad you guys added that too. Thank you. All right, so with the pre-lab assessments, why are they so important? Well, they're important to the student um, as they preview the concepts in the lab exercise to prepare for the upcoming laboratory, but they're also important to the instructor to see the, stu the students um, who are coming in prepared and ready to conduct the lab, and also to possibly assess areas where more explanation is needed. So it's really important for both the instructor and the student. You know, one thing I remember long ago when I first started um, in the anatomy and physiology business, the lab was really kind of a mysterious place for me where I didn't know a whole lot about it. And I had a group of instructors that said, if you can do one thing, it would be pre-labs, pre-labs, pre-labs. And I remember Cindy asking them why, you know, why is that so important? And what really helped me understand it better was I actually visited a number of labs and I saw firsthand that really lab time is really precious. You know, the mm -hmm. resources that you have, it's limited time, limited access. So from an instructional standpoint, you want to do as much as you can with your students hands-on. But what I observed was in a couple cases, the instructors having to go through a lot of remedial information or to cover things that they probably should have known before, whereas that pre-lab nicely fits for that function of finding out what they know and what they don't know so that you can maximize that lab time. Do you think that the Martin Lab Series, it helps with that? Oh, yeah, I do. 
I do because um, for the reasons that you said, it it points out or lets let students know, but also instructors, you know, know what the student knows, and then also what they don't know, and that can be a quick you know question and answer at the beginning of the lab just to kind of see what they might have struggled with in their pre lab assessments. Um, from the instructor's point of view, so they know if they need to give more information or from the student's perspective coming into the lab, um, knowing what what they are going to be pursuing in the lab and conducting the lab, but also maybe they would be seeking more information as well. Right on. Okay, so I know that you guys had improved the depth of the lab manual in terms of the content. Also, you guys reorganized a little bit here and there. So what was your rationale on adding more depth? My rationale in adding more depth and organization is to provide uh, with providing clarity. Um, if I were a student, and, and that's kind of where I where I go to. So if I was a student, what would I want to see, and what would help in my understanding? And that's so putting myself in the position of, of a student is uh, is helpful, and kind of having that goal of clarity. I want the information to be organized and written in a way that makes sense but also that excites students to want to do the lab and to learn more. I also want it, um, I think it's important to appropriately challenge students to demonstrate their reasoning, so just not just to answer questions, but to um, have the, give them an opportunity within the assessments, for example, to explain why, um, to make connections, and to problem solve. So that's Kind of the focus in my rationale is to in, in the depth part part of it is to kind of challenge students a little bit to express what 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 are they really thinking cindy that's one of the most remarkable things i think about you as an instructor now as an author is your ability to put yourself in the in the student's shoes firsthand and really i think your teaching style and a lot of your impact really come through not only in, in your individual classroom that you teach um, there but then also with the martin lab series so thank you for always thinking about the student first and i know that's got to be challenging too because you're a content expert <laughs> Right. But that, they, you, they actually yes yes, but they they do go hand in hand. Um, oh yeah. In in this yeah, so I, um, you you don't want to overwhelm overwhelm students, but also you want to make sure that you are appropriately challenging them. You bet. And maybe on another episode, we'll have you back on the podcast just to talk about how do you successfully strip out or remove that expert bias when you're presenting something new for the first time. That's probably something we could talk for years about. So um, we'll defer that <laughs> yeah. to the next uh, next episode. So we're going to okay. switch gears just a little bit, Cindy. So I'm going to ask you a question that I think is going to be kind of fun. Um, it's one that we do here on the podcast pretty regularly with all the instructors that um, have been on the shows. So a fun thing is if you think about you being successful, you're an author, you've been teaching for a long time, um, things are generally successful for you. Um, what advice would you give someone who's just brand new in the business? They just got hired at your uh, university college and they're just going to be starting as an adjunct. What advice would you give them? <laughs> well, um, that's a loaded question, but I um, 
I, I think back to when I started teaching and then when I was asked to develop the all online um, uh, courses for anatomy and physiology. And I guess my, my advice is less is more. That's, that's what I would say to, to a new instructor. I would say less is more because there's so many resources available to instructors. Um, and so that they're not overwhelmed, I would encourage them to choose one or two of these resources to focus on and build from there. Um, McGraw-Hill Education has a wealth of quality digital resources, for example, such as Anatomy and Physiology Revealed. And that works well with, and I'm going to put the plug in here, with the Martin Series Lab Manual. So um, maybe those would be the two components, for example, that they would start with and build from there. That's awesome advice. And I know, you know, at least from my years here on the implementation side and getting new users into our software, but even people that have taught for a long time, that's really the biggest trick there is out there, which is your eyes can get bigger than your stomach and sometimes trying to do too much, especially digitally and, and too much change in a, in a semester or a class can be the detriment not only to the students, but then to the instructor. So love that perspective, Cindy, and, and could not agree more. Okay, so one last question. This is going to be a big one. It seems like I've been throwing a lot of philosophical questions at you today, which is just fine. I love hearing it. I like asking those questions. But um, for you, if you could change one thing about science education, what would it be? Um, if I could change one thing, it would be to create more excitement in science education at an early age by educating the educators so that they learn how to conduct hands-on activities where students actually do science experiments and activities. That these activities and science experiments would ideally foster curiosity, confidence, and inquisitiveness in those students. So they will want to pursue science education later in life. So that's kind of been my desire for as long as I've been teaching, um, which I said has been a very long time, and I still believe in that. Boy, and you know what, that would be remarkable, and I could not agree more. So I have a, a child that's under the age of 10, um, and recently he said to me, uh, I want to become like the guy that goes out and learns about biology, and we talked about you know, potentially being an activist, and he said um, he really wants to go out and explore the world, world of biology. And so naturally, I started talking to him about, you know, you could become a professor because he was talking about, I love taking pictures, I love photography, and I'd love to take pictures of animals and organisms and, and all these wonderful things. And I sat there, you know, absolutely delighted as someone who works in the sciences that somehow in the curriculum at his school, they really ignited that fire. And I think really what it came down to was, you know, doing a lot of what you mentioned, it's about exposure, access, but then once he started asking the questions, they really facilitated that process better. And certainly, you know, my wife and I do the same thing at home, but, um, you know, a lot of our contact time is limited these days, so the teachers really have to do that. 
and they did mm-hmm. a wonderful job. And for me to hear that from him, I was like, oh, my goodness, like th- this is awesome. And I know it will change a lot from here until whenever, you know, he ends up in college. But uh, it's just cool to hear that at this stage because up until that time, you know, we had different answers. But this is one that you can see as a prevailing theme and really facilitated through his and his teachers at school. So, Cindy, I think if you That's and I fantastic. are in charge, we would just stand that forward <laughs> and we'd be done, right? That's right. But I hope, well, I don't know. I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully it will just continue to grow. You got it. And, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to just uh, one student at a time. And like what you had mentioned earlier, you know, getting students beyond just the point of memorization, going to critical thinking and understanding, one by one, win them over, and then they'll, they'll teach others down the road. Right. You want them to question and then to pursue answers, but they may not always find them. They'll find more questions. Yeah, and sometimes that's the best part of learning is just asking the questions. Exactly, exactly. Well, Cindy, I know um, you've been very gracious with your time today. Is there any final word that you want to leave the audience with before we end formally? Well, thank you very much, Jim, for having me on the podcast. And I look forward to listening to other people's podcasts because, as I said, you know, I enjoy teaching, but I also enjoy the learning aspect of teaching as well. And a collaboration. Awesome. You got it. And Cindy, thank you so much. You were fantastic on the show today. Uh, we'll definitely have you back, and maybe we'll go into some other topics that are more teaching-oriented, uh, you know, related to some of the things we talked about today. Some of the other ones I would recommend to you is I know Molly Scheel, who uh, teaches here locally, did an Assessments with Intention podcast. I think that's one, you know, that you'll get a lot out of because it's not only about teaching, she also wiggles in there some other things that you can apply to any facet of your life. Uh, really good stuff. And, and for the audience, you're already here. So the Succeed in A&P, we're just really proud to have people like Cindy, awesome educators on the podcast. We also really appreciate every single one of you that's listening to us today. And we hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day and a good rest of the week. This is Jim Conley signing off here for the Succeed in A&P. Hope you guys have a great day.